today. And so today my message is everyone is welcome. And I want to share with you from my heart and also from Luke chapter 14, why it's important to believe that everyone is welcome into God's church. Say that with me. Say everyone is welcome. I made a statement a couple of weeks ago that you have no idea who you're sitting next to in this service. And some of you say, well, yeah, dude, this is my wife. Well, yeah, I get that. But I'm talking about the person that you're not <laughs> legally connected to. Um, you have no idea who's sitting in this room with you this morning. You have no idea what their past is. You have no idea what they've been through. You have no idea how they were raised or what their social status was or anything like that. You have no clue who you're sitting in this building with. I, of all people in this building, have the greatest or, or the most uh, information on everyone here because I've, I've kind of heard most of your stories. And so I look around and I go, I just want to help you see from my perspective this morning. When I look around, I go, wow. I can look at some of you and go, delivered, set free, no longer captive, healed, come from a past of drugs. and what I'm trying not to point at anybody from specific. <laughs> I'm not one of them church. You, you say no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I'm trying to get you to understand that you don't know who you're sitting next to. The people you see today are not the same people that walked in here the first day. I've said this for years, but I would love to take a picture of everybody's first day at the church. And then about eight months down the road, I'd like to show them that picture again and compare it to what they look like now. And I know that's a physical, natural thing. But let me tell you something. When you get life, the life of God on the inside of you, it it can't help but come out and it changes the way you look. It manifests in the flesh when you've got life on the inside of you. When you've got death on the inside of you, you walk around and you put all the makeup on you want, but you still look dead. Right? So it's true when you have life inside of you that you can't help it. And you can wear no makeup and people go, man, you look better. Y'all didn't bite on that one. <laughs> but you have no idea who you're sitting next to. You don't know their story. You don't know what's going on. Part of the reason for having life groups is because I want you to get to know one another's story. You know why? Because your story is your story to help somebody else with their story. Your story can lead somebody to Christ. Because the enemy works like this. He beats you down so much that you think you can never get up. You can never get into a better place. You can never have victory. But then somebody else comes along with a story of victory and says, hey, man, I was addicted to drugs. I was running around. I was doing this. I was cheating. I was lying. I was stealing. And all of a sudden they feel better about themselves. They go, really? And you? You can be a Christian? You can belong to God's family? Your story can give people hope. And that's really what life groups are geared towards, is just you getting to build community, build relationships with some other people so that you can hear their stories. So I want to do a quick survey before I get started. How many of you... Just raise your hand, hold them up till I say put them down. How many of you have been here longer than two years? Raise your hand up real high. Longer than two years. Look around. Look around. See how many people have been here longer than two years? I kind of expected that amount of numbers. Okay, put them down. 
Next question, how many of you have been here about a year, give or take, a little bit, about a year? Okay, look around, you see? Okay, how many of you have been here six months or less? Raise your hand. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. That's good stuff. That's called health. (laughs) That's called health. That's called God's doing something. Amen? So those of you that have been here six months or less, when you looked around, you saw people that didn't look like they look now when they walked in. They wasn't nearly as pretty. Go with me to Luke chapter 14. I'll do a little bit of reading this morning. I want you to see something. Jesus is in a storytelling mood. He's, he's telling these things called parables. And a parable is only, is basically just a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So when you're reading your Bible and you see the word parable, it means that Jesus is telling an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, he's breaking it down for us so that we can understand it. Okay, so when you get to a parable, I would encourage you to dig deep because parables are deep. And so this morning, I want to dig a little bit in, this, in this, these two parables um, from, from Luke chapter 14. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, open our hearts this morning. Help us to see the deeper meaning of these stories. Lord, give us vision. Give us wisdom this morning, Lord. Transform our lives this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Starting in verse 7, watch this. Jesus gives a a, a very fierce lesson on humility. And I want you to catch this. And and by the way, my message is going to be a little twofold today. I'm going to talk to believers those that have believed and are believers or followers of Christ for a while. I'm going to talk to you this morning. And then I'm also going to talk about the unbelievers that are not here today. Okay, so that's kind of how my message is going to fold out, just, to, just so you know. Verse 7, here we go. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. Listen carefully. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. In other words, don't lift yourself up. Don't put yourself in a place of honor. Let God exalt you or let the, the, whoever's running the event exalt you. Don't ever try to exalt yourself because you might get embarrassed and they might say, hey, listen, um, but I'm, I'm glad you found the front seat. But you know what? This is reserved for somebody else. Keep, how embarrassing is that? It's always good to move up. It's never good to move down. Right? So he says this instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You should never try to sell yourself. In fact, I would give you this advice. If you run into somebody who's trying to sell themselves, run away. Jesus's advice was go ahead and sit in the lowest place and then in front of everybody, you'll get exalted and not embarrassed. Right. Then he turned to the host. 
When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, watch this, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. You see, what's funny about church is, is that if a church becomes self-centered and inward thinking, a church, a congregation can become very prideful. We can get very boastful. We can get very prideful in ourselves and we can have all these positions of honor. Right? I mean, they'll do all kind of weird stuff if you go to a church. I mean, like I've been to churches where there's a room just for the pastors. I'm going, man, what was, (laughs) ain't going up in there. What's that for? I don't need some kind of holy, holy honor on me. I don't, I don't, I, I'm good. I'm going to sit over here with, with the common folk. I'm going to sit over here with the congregation. That's where I belong, right? And so if we're not careful as a church, we'll become inward thinking and self-centered and we'll become prideful. And then watch what happens. What happens is, is we start to hang out with people that are just like us. You see, we forget how we were when we came into the church. You see, when you don't get new believers into a church, you forget what they look like. No, you forget what you look like when you came into the church, right? You forget that you walked in here broken, busted, and disgusted, and couldn't, you had a limp, you couldn't, your marriage was about to fall apart, everything was erect. You forgot about that. When a church becomes inward and self-centered, we forget about the poor, the blind, and the lame, and all we want to do is invite people that are like us, right? We just want to hang out with people that are just like us. They dress like us. They make about the same amount of money as us. They drive Fords. (laughs) I'm going to convert the church. But we we get into this weird place where we just want to hang out with those kinds of people. And Jesus is saying this, when you invite somebody, don't invite somebody that can pay you back. Invite somebody that can't pay you back. Reach down into the place where you once were to reach somebody who was once like you so that they can be brought in and given life and become somebody like you. Amen. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't don't just keep going after the people that are like you. So the first half of that story was to stay humble. Don't exalt yourself. I had this thought, if you'll spend your time and focus on lifting up Jesus, he'll spend his time lifting you up. It's the great exchange. If I'll constantly lift him up, he'll constantly lift me up. And I'll realize that I don't need the glory for my own good. I just need the glory for his good. I need the honor for his good. Right? If I'll spend my time focusing on him, lifting him up, lifting up the name of Jesus, everything I do is being done for him before it's ever being done for me. And I don't need to worry about anything. It's going to be all good in my hood. Right? He wraps up that first story with, we need to be focused on others, not like us. Jesus is saying to make room for those that you you might not jail with. Those that you might not get along with. So the title of today's message is everyone is welcome. And when I say that, I literally mean that everyone is welcome. 
And that's been our heart from day one. We've always just had a, 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 a policy that anybody can come in as long as you got clothes on. Can I get an amen? Aren't you glad your pastor's dressed today? Trust me, you glad. That woke some of you up. But literally everyone is welcome. And so I want to show you how from this story in Luke that everyone is welcome. So Jesus gave that first story. And then go with me to verse 15. Watch this. There's a guy. There's always a guy that says something, right? There's always somebody in your family that's going to say something stupid at the most opportune time, right? I mean, there's always that one person. Well, here's this guy in verse 15. Hearing this, hearing the story about be humble and invite others that Jesus just shared. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus. Now, get it. If he's sitting at the table with Jesus, he's probably sitting in a place of honor. And he exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. So he hears this whole thing about sit in the back, don't sit in the front, invite people you don't like, not the people that you like. Man, isn't it going to be good to sit in a banquet in the kingdom of God? Watch what Jesus says. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast. And sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another one said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. I mean, come on, man, that was funny, right? I mean, I'm like, is she ugly? I mean, if she looked that bad, you can't bring her to the banquet. I mean, if she, if she looked good, you'd be wanting to show her off, right? I mean, like, oh, I'm going to be there. I got my new wife. I'm going to show her off. Woo, she looks good. This brother's like, no, man, I just got married. Uh, I ain't coming. <laughs> I mean, something's not right with that story, right? But listen to those excuses. There's this great banquet, and he sends out all these invitations, And when it's time for the banquet, back in those days, they would send a servant out into the city to say to everyone who's been invited, hey, the banquet is ready. The supper's ready. The food is cooked. Praise God when I hear that at my house. Hey, supper's ready. I shift a gear, right? But but so they send a servant out, and then all of a sudden, people start making these strange excuses. Well, you know, I just bought some property, and I need to go see it. I'm thinking, well, you didn't look at it before you bought it? I mean, did you not inspect it before you bought it? Okay, you're not coming because of a piece of property? I mean, this is like the banquet. You're not coming. I'm like, okay, piece of property. Wow. Then another one says, I just bought five oxen. (laughs) I need to go try them out. You can't try them out. You You didn't try them out before you got started? You mean you didn't try them before you bought them? You got to go try them now. It's banquet time. Come on, somebody. It's banquet time. It ain't oxen time. It's banquet time. And so as I'm reading this, I start imagining what the, the host of the banquet is starting to feel when he hears all these excuses. I got to go try out my oxen. Okay. 
is a banquet. I mean, bro, this is the party of the year. I mean, come on, man. It's a banquet at God's house. You'd rather spend time with oxen? Okay. And then the third guy goes, you know, I just got married. That one would have just really ate my lunch. I'd have had to sit back on that one and just go, huh? She come with no clothes. I mean, is she, you know, what's the deal? I mean, you can't, you can't take her out in public. I mean, really, the only excuse you could use for being married in those days was to not go to war. Social events, you were expected to be there because you were married. Women, look at your husband and say, you better not ever leave me home. (laughs) But they make excuses. Lame excuses. Can I tell you, as a pastor, I hear some lame excuses all the time. I mean, I wish I could write a list of the excuses I hear for people not being involved, people not getting into things, people not stepping out into something they need to be in. People, they come up with all kinds of excuses. I got to clean my house. What? What you do all week? You didn't clean your house? It's banquet time. Come on, you, I want you to laugh. That way nobody knows it's you. Watch this. I'm going to beat up on you a little bit, but I'm going to love you at the end. Verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they said. His master was furious. You know, I think back sometimes to the excuses I've used in my life. And I think, you know, I'm going to stand in front of God one day. And man, that's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> I just go, man, how am I going to explain that one? <laughs> Think about it. Think about some of the excuses you've given over time. We all have given excuses. In fact, every one of us has an excuse. But not every one of us uses it. Right? And so, man, I'm I'm reading this story and I'm going, man, this dude prepared a feast. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into a feast. There's a lot of work that goes into preparing something for a group of people to come and eat at. You could say that about life groups. There's a lot of work that goes into hosting a life group. Talk about get your house clean. You got to get your house cleaned up. It's not the most opportune time. Listen to me. It's the messiest the day before that life group. You got to get your life group. I mean, your house cleaned up. You, if you got snacks, you got to get all that ready. If you got childcare, you got to get somebody there and hope that they show up so that they can take care of the kids. There's a lot of work that goes into it, right? And people walk in like, "Hey," just kind of clueless to what you've been doing. You're sitting there going, "Hey," this guy put a lot of work, a lot of effort, spent a lot of money, had a lot of servants. He prepared all the invitations and he sent them out. 
to folks. You know, the folks that had the invitation originally is basically Jesus is saying that's the believers in today's day and time. That's the believers, the followers of of Christ right now. We've already been given an invitation. You've accepted the invitation and the invitation is in your house. It's in your life. And you now have access or rights to go to the banquet of God and sit at his table and feast with him. But too many times we give too many excuses on why we can't go and spend time with God. He's talking to the believers. He's saying to the believers, don't ever get into a place where the oxen come before me. Don't ever get into the place where the pasture comes before me. Don't ever get into the place where your wife or your family comes before me. Don't let yourself get there. Don't let yourself go there. Listen, that's the temptation. I want to raise up a good godly family. I want to make sure that I get that right. That's one of the most important things in my life. It's to raise up some kids that I can launch into this world. That'll go and immediately take ground for the kingdom of God. That's my purpose for my family. I want to love a beautiful wife and take her from spiritual death into spiritual life and wash her constantly with my words. That's great, and that's noble, and that's what I need to be doing. But I can't ever let him come before God. Because if he comes before God, he becomes my idol. So what do you do? You take him along with you. You bring him with you. You can't say, I can't go to that life group, you know, because I got all these kids. You bring them with you. I can't do this because of my family. You bring them with you. You like coming to church? Mm-hmm. Do I have to make you come to church? Ever? Have I ever put you in a headlock and drug you to church? Okay, sit down. You did good. You answered well. <laughs> Never once. And I, I don't say this proudly because it was God because I didn't know how to be a daddy. I was raised without one. When I had kids, I said, God, I was scared to death. I said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some help. Would you help me? I don't know how to be a daddy. Would you just help me? You know what he told me? He said, you just do to your kids what I do to you, and you're going to be all right. I said, okay. I think I can do that. All I've ever done is brought them along with me. I'll never forget just some of the, just to share some of my story when we, when we got a word from God to move here and come help Pastor Bubba, two weeks later, we put our house up for sale, packed our stuff up, stuff up and lived in with her, my, my aunt's house in kinder. And I had a job in kinder. I was helping build the highway going through kinder at the time. And I worked for one of the, the hardest guys I've ever worked for. And he constantly pushed. He'd buy me lunch just so I wouldn't stop running a piece of equipment. I thought that was a good deal. <laughs> Thinking, bro, I get Burger King every day, and I just got to work through lunch. I can eat a Burger King and, and run an excavator at the same time, no problem. I'm a talented guy. But this guy constantly pushed. But I never lost sight of that I was called to go here. I put my house up for sale. I, I, I moved all my stuff. I moved my family to be a part of what God was doing, and I never let that become second place. 
And so there would be these retreats. It would be a men's event or an encounter retreat or a special weekend or something or even a Wednesday night service. And, and I wanted to be there. I genuinely wanted to be there. I just, I don't know what it was. I just fell in love with God's church and said, I just want to be there. And every time the doors were open, unless it was just a women's event, I was there. But I'll never forget there was days the boss would come up and it never, never failed. Every time there was something big going on, the boss would always come up and try to wreck it. Telling you he was working for the devil. Had this big old weekend planned and I was trying to slip out early on Friday. And he comes up, he drives up at like noontime on Friday. He goes, hey, and we were supposed to be off that week. We're working the weekend. I'm like, you're killing me, Smalls, you're killing me. And I didn't know what to do. I was, I was caught in a pickle. I had a legitimate excuse. I got to work, right? Right? Is that not a legitimate excuse? I've got to work. Wasn't satisfied. He drove off, just wrecked my day. I looked up to heaven, said, God, you know I want to be there. Make a way. I'm telling you, I, I thought as hard as I could at least five times in the period of a year that happened. And that first time on that Friday, we're working the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You better be here on time. He drives off. God, you know, I want to be there. By three o'clock, four o'clock. Guess what came in? Rain. Guess what it dumped at? Where it dumped at? Kinder, Louisiana couple inches and the same guy that just wrecked my day came back around and made my day say hey we're done see y'all monday i'm like this stuff really works i was like man that's pretty cool seriously god knew the desire of my heart he knew that i wanted to be there he knew what i wanted to do he knew that i wanted to be a part of the banquet a part of what he was doing by the way the banquet is what god's doing They made excuses. Always brought my family with me. I learned a long time ago. I heard an older preacher say, don't ever leave your family at home. Your ministry, Jamie, is your family's ministry. And I went, like, I got to bring them? (laughs) Yep, you got to bring them. And we we packed baby carriages and I lost all my, my baby holding muscles, you know. But we, we, we do it. We, we were just there faithfully. And my kids grew up in the church and they don't, I don't have to make them come. I don't have to make, in fact, one time I tried to sit them home and they all got mad at me. They're like, really dad, we can't go? My oldest, her lip was quivering. We can't go? I said, no, you can't go. But dad, sorry. They made excuses. As believers, we have legitimate excuses, but we've got to choose not to use them. These people could have chosen not to use these excuses. Are you hearing me? The believers of, in Christ cannot use the excuses. You can not use the excuses in front of you. Are you seeing this? So the host was furious. Now I'm thinking I'd go out and just throw a little wrath around myself. You know, give everybody the cold shoulder, not talk to them, call them up, give them a piece of my mind. 
Thank God I'm not the host. Watch this. His master was furious and said, watch this. Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Here's a little inside scoop. If you don't do what God wants you to do, he's going to raise up somebody else to do it. And then he's probably going to let you watch it. If you don't want to come to the banquet, somebody else is going to come to the banquet. If you don't want to get in the middle of what God's doing, somebody else will. These people had an actual invitation. And they gave excuses. Instead of bringing wrath, the host just brought others. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you can find to come so that my house will be full. That's hope for us country people. He said, go out into the country. Say this with me. Say there's hope for the hillbillies. You laughing? I'm hanging on to that. I'm like, there's hope for me. After going out the first time and inviting the lost, the blind, the lame, and the poor, the servant comes back and says, I've invited everybody I can find, and there's still room. You know what that tells me? That God's banquet table is bigger than you think it is. God's banquet and God's party has enough food for you to eat at. He's not going to run out of food. He's not going to run out of wine. It's going to be a good time, and the band's going to play all night. Are you hearing me? God has plenty of room for plenty of you. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, there's not enough room for me, that's a lie from the devil. There's plenty of room for you. There's room at his table. In fact, there's a chair with your name on it at the table. Your name on it. God expects you to be there. He's made plans for you to be there at his party. So his master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone. Say that with me. Say anyone. Anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. You see, God loves a full house. God's plans are for a full house. The only reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because the house ain't full. The only reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because there's still lost people in Eunice, Louisiana and the surrounding areas. They still got some hillbillies that are lost in, in Eunice. Come on, somebody. They still got somebody out in the middle of the rice field lost. And God's not going to send his son back until we reach the lost. Are you hearing me? He wants the house full. Every empty seat here this morning represents a life and a family. When we go to two services, you know what that means? We got more empty seats for more lost people. So the house will be full. God wants a full house. I can tell you I've made plenty of excuses myself. And excuses are real. And excuses come when the invitation comes. You ever try to go do one of your favorite things in the whole world to do? And the whole time planning up to that big event, everything's fine until right before. Right? I mean, plan a vacation. Plan, plan to go to Hawaii. Save your pennies. Plan to go to Hawaii. Book the tickets, book the room, do all that. 
And watch, five days before it's time to leave, watch what happens. Every excuse is going to come at you. Every, every demonic attack is going to come at you. Everything's going to come at you to keep you from going to what you want to go to. It's true on Sunday mornings. It's true in life groups. It's true on first Wednesday. It's true every morning when you wake up and you're intended to spend time with Jesus. It's true. You face an excuse every morning when you wake up. Am I going to give the first fruits of my day to Christ or am I not? Oh, man, Lord, you know, I had to cut the grass yesterday. And, man, you know, Lord, my back's hurting. I'll catch you this afternoon. And that never comes. Right? Excuses are everywhere. Speak to them. Pray over them. I dare you. And see what God does. The bottom line is this. Is that that everyone is welcome. Into God's family. Everyone is welcome. Everyone's welcome. You know sometimes we make inviting people too complicated. Jesus used the story of inviting people to a party. It's pretty simple if you think of it that way. Hey, would you like to come to a banquet with me? Man, what kind of is it? Duck on, Ducks Unlimited? What kind of banquet is it? Is it? <laughs> what kind of banquet? Man, it's the greatest banquet ever. Really? What they serving? Everything. Like everything? Everything. They got enough room? Oh, they got plenty of room, bro. Man, where, where's this banquet? Man, it's in the kingdom. It's in the kingdom of God. And he wants you to be a part of his banquet. And it's an eternal banquet that's never going to stop. You ever been to a party that never quit? You thought you could party till you couldn't quit, but you quit. This banquet's going to last forever. The food will never run out. And it's Cajun food. Come on, somebody. They're going to have Cajun food in heaven. Buddha and crackling that don't make you fat. What? Come on, somebody. It's going to be in heaven. Pork chops. Bluebell running like a stream. I mean, just. It's going to be in heaven. It's going to be at the banquet. Come on, somebody. Y'all laughing. I believe it. foolishness of preaching so who actually got invited let me say it this way who actually attended the banquet watch this the poor the crippled the blind the lame and everyone who didn't use an excuse you see not everyone that had an invitation used an excuse But there was quite a bit that did because there was plenty of room to go get more people. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Where did he find them? In the streets, in the alleys. Jesus didn't go to the richest neighborhoods to find the people to bring to the party. He said, go find them. They're under a bush. That may mean that wino that's sleeping underneath the bridge somewhere. 
We had a guy here one time, he was sleeping behind a dumpster in one of these buildings back here. We've had them all. I remember one time I told my leaders, I'm believing God for, for, for the worst of the worst. And they came. And they looked at me like, still praying for that? Had one guy, he wanted to come up here and prophesy every Sunday. He left by giving me a letter that was a curse. We've had some fruitcakes, let me tell you something. I'm just being real. We've had some fruitcakes. I ain't going to lie to you. But they're all welcome. It's not my job to sort them out. It's not my job to cull them. It's my job just to shepherd them. God's called me to shepherd them. It don't matter what they look like. It don't even matter what they smell like. It just matters that they get into the banquet and then God's going to clean them up. God's going to dress them up and God's going to change them. Religion says that I got to change them before they get to the banquet. The, the relationship says you just come to the banquet and we're going to get you right. Everyone's welcome. Pastor, everyone. What about the homosexuals? They welcome. What about the adulterer? They're welcome. What about the addicted? They're welcome. Everyone's welcome. You got in, didn't you? I got in. If you knew my history, Lord, help us. I'm the most unqualified preacher there is. Thank God he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. The master wasn't satisfied until the house was full. He uses the word urge in this story. And you got to get this. He went out and the word urge means to plead. It doesn't mean to go and skull drag people into the church. It means to, to plead with people. It means you need to have a sense of urgency because the banquet has a starting time. The banquet has an appointed time. God has an appointed time when he's going to send Jesus back. He knows when that is. And there needs to be a sense of urgency in us with an invitation to go out and invite more people without an invitation because we, God wants his house full and we need to get busy pleading with people. You know what it means to plead? When's the last time you had to plead for something? I mean, like, really plead. To plead for something, you normally end up on your knees crying out like, please, please have mercy on me. That's pleading. It's not wearing your mom and dad out. Can I have some ice cream? Come on, mom. Can I? That's not pleading. That's begging. Pleading with people. He uses the word urge. Would you come to the banquet, please? There's a great banquet. Would you come? Do you have that urgency inside of you today? Are you willing to get on your knees in front of somebody who is less than you and plead them into the kingdom? Are you willing to reach down into the mess of their life and bring them to the kingdom of God? Are you willing to go to the country folk and go to the hillbillies and bring them an invitation? Are you willing? As believers, especially for those that have been believers for a while, 
Don't ever get to the point where you think you've arrived and that you're entitled to something. You know how we hate the entitlement of this next generation, the millennials? You know how we hate their entitled mentality? You know us church folks can be the same way. Be in the church for a amount of time and you think that everybody owes you everything. You better watch God doesn't come and embarrass you and make you sit at the foot somewhere. Don't ever feel like you're entitled to something. Don't ever forget what you came from. Stay humble. And don't ever forget that everyone's invited, not just the people you like. The funny thing about God's family is it's made up by all types of people. All types. I want to end with this last verse. This one's kind of heavy. Verse 24. You got to see this one. So, so Jesus gives this parable. He's furious that people gave excuses. Instead of beating them, he went out and invited others to take their place. That usually means that blind Billy is sitting in your seat somewhere. He wants his house to be full. And then we get to verse 24. For none of those, say none, I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. None of those that I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Think about that. Where are you at today? Have you been holding on to this invitation and making excuses about why you can't do this and why you can't do that? Have you been making excuses on why you can't be a part of this life group or why you can't lead a life group? Are you making excuses every morning on why you can't go to church? Are you making excuses on why you can't read your Bible and pray? Are you making excuses to not be a part of the banquet and taste and see that God is good? Are you making excuses? That's a question for you this morning. And I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I want you to answer it in your heart. Because I believe that God wants a church that's invited to go out and invite others. Amen? He wants a church that's invited to show up and feast at his banquet. You know what it means to feast at the banquet of God? It means that you have everything that you need. It means that you're in good position. You're in good standing with God. That you get to hang out with God's people, his favorite people. That means that you have all the precious promises in the Bible just for you. That's what's sitting on the table. Do you know that's what's being served is the precious promises of God? Promises of healing, promises of deliverance, promises of blessings, promises of protection, promises of prosperity. Those are what's sitting at the table for us to feast on, but we don't want to step into them. We want to make excuses. And when you make excuses, all you're doing is hurting yourself. Because everything you need is at the banquet. Everything you need is found in the presence of God. Stop making excuses. I'm begging you this morning. Stop making excuses. Join a life group. Stay faithful to church. Get up in the morning and read your Bible. Teach your kids how to study the word of God. 
Teach your kids how to pray. Live a life of victory. Feast from God's table. He's prepared it for you. He's given you an invitation to feast. Why don't you come in and feast? Why don't you press in? Why is it that life has to break down before sometimes we'll get in? I don't want to operate that way. I want to come when I'm invited, not because I have to. Amen?